Welcome back to Together We Roam podcast. My name's Lisa G and today I have been thinking about holidays. Terry and I have a narrowboat and a camper, motorbike, and as you know, we make YouTube videos of our travels. But I've been thinking about holidays and how much I enjoy things now that I didn't as a child. For example, maybe it's the artist in me, but I love wildlife, trees, the light, the dark, the shadows, the countryside, the peace and quiet. Now, as a child, I was bored. However, that's not to say we didn't have some brilliant holidays as a child. Now, we were poor. So, to give you an example of poor, we had people bring round bags of clothes and we had to select what we wanted out of the bag. Holidays weren't Disneyland. They were camping. My father was a single parent. He brought up myself, my brother and my sister. And we always went camping or sometimes we had a posh holiday, which to us was like Disneyland. But let's talk about camping for a moment. Now, as a child, camping was an adventure before we even went away. For a start off, we never knew when we were going away. My dad would come home from work and say, right, pack, we're going. And it was literally that quick. But the holiday would always start in the garden. He would put the tent up in the garden with, I'd like to say my help, but I think I was probably more of a hindrance. I think my sister and my elder brother probably helped a lot more than I did. But to us, it was an adventure. You could play in the tent as if you were a million miles away and yet we were just in the back garden. Why did we put the tent up early? Well, those of you who remember the old canvas tents, and I'd like to point out it was brown and orange. Maybe you had one, I don't know. But to us, it was just like a castle. But you had to put it up before you went away because my father would always waterproof the tent. Two reasons. One, tents needed waterproofing. Second reason, chances are it was going to rain. It nearly always rained. That was camping. Now I'd be playing princesses and things like that and my dad would be spraying this stuff all over the tent to waterproof it. I would hear the words ringing in my head and I can hear it as clear as day now. Do not touch the inside of the tent. Don't touch the walls. Don't touch the ceiling. Do not touch any of the canvas. It's as if my hands were made of some insane lava conducting properties that with just one touch could burn a gaping hole in the top of the tent and we would all instantly die of the worst flooding in history. To this day, never really understood it. I just know that I should not touch anything because the tent would leak and ruin our holiday. Eventually, once the tent was waterproofed and the magic stuff had dried out and I'd refrained from doing anything naughty, like touching anything, we packed up the tent and packed up all our goods Chucked it all in the back of whatever car my dad had at the time. He would change his car every year. Always some old banger, but something that got us from A to B, which did the job. Off we would set to whatever destination. It could have been Wales, Cornwall, Dorset, wherever. We never knew. Now, my dad knew where we were going. And in those days, there weren't sat-navs. I'm giving away my age here. I know I look like I'm 50-something, but, you know, I'm a lot younger. I've just had a hard life. Anyway, there were no sat-navs, so my dad would read a map, and that entailed probably adding another two hours to the journey wherever we were going because you had to pull over and read the map. So that sort of added to the journey, and it also added to this sentence, are we nearly there yet? 
are we nearly there yet? Time's up by three, three kids saying, are we nearly there yet? I'm not really sure how we cope with the journey. But there was also the, I need a wee, I need a wee, I need a wee, which we always got the answer, should have gone before we left, which we did. But you know, we've been in the car for three hours now, we're young kids, we need the toilet. But hey, that's part of the journey. After what seemed like forever, we would eventually turn up at a field somewhere in the middle of nowhere, drive on, Dad would go and settle up whatever he had to pay, probably £3 in those days, drive onto a field and the building would commence. So I probably helped, as in I would probably help empty the car, but I doubt I helped at the age of five, six, seven, eight, putting up a tent. I would have been, more, like I say, more of a hindrance. But I'm sure my brother and my sister, who were older than me, helped put the tent up and we would put it up somehow without touching the tent because remember touch a tent you'll burn a hole in it and we'll all die of flooding but anyway eventually the tent would go up and my dad would unpack the rest of the stuff set up his little tower kitchen stoves and everything at this point he would always say oh to which we would say what have we forgot dad and it was normally something major so it would be the stove the kettle, or maybe some air beds that we're supposed to sleep on. But whatever it would be, we would manage. We would rough it. We would eat cold food if there was no stove. We would only drink cold drinks. Although, to be honest, in those days, I think we only drank squash. It was only my dad that drank hot drinks. But we'd manage. We'd just wing it. Now, once everything was set up and we realised what we'd forgotten, we'd get on with the holiday. Now, the holiday would consist of... Us kids going to play and make ourselves scarce, which we loved. In those days, kids could be kids and you could just let them go wild. And we did. We would go and play. We'd normally got a football or a frisbee or something. And if we were lucky, the campsite would have a play park for kids. But there was none of this um, butlins thing where there was fairgrounds and all that sort of thing. But we'll come to that later. So far, so good. So this part of the holiday, not a problem. But what part of the holiday didn't I enjoy when I was little that I enjoy now? Well, ironically, walking. You see, now I can't walk. Due to a back injury, I can't walk very far at all. And I would love to be able to walk miles. But due to not having much money, that was our main entertainment when we were kids. So my dad would make up soggy jam sandwiches and some little pots of squash and if we were lucky maybe a jelly and a spoon or something like that. Chuck it all in a backpack and off we would go walking and he would walk and walk and walk. And I'm not talking little walks round a village, I'm talking through a field over a stile up a hill that was like 20,000 times the size of me. Now... It was no good saying you were tired because at the end of the day, your job was to keep up with dad. Also, he's a lovely man and he can make you laugh and he used to tickle me and all that sort of thing. But he also wouldn't suffer any excuses. And trust me, I tried everything. I've tried, dad, I've broke my legs. And it'll be, well, you shouldn't have broke them. Or, dad, can, can we just have like a drink? 
And he'd be like, well, yeah, you can have a drink. You can drink while you're walking. And when we used to have a drink, this squash I tell you about, it used to taste of plastic. It was in these weird old Cupperware camping cups that had plastic lids. And it didn't matter what you put in there. It just tasted of plastic. But we were allowed to stop for a picnic and we were allowed to stop for toilets if we came across toilets. When we had our floppy jam sandwiches, and it was really floppy, I, I don't know how bread does it. You know when you make a sandwich and bread is the shape of bread? When you've made a jam sandwich and you've trekked what feels like halfway across the world and sit down on a rock to have a sandwich, it's like it's made of wet paper with a slimy red filling. Don't get me wrong, just like now and back then, it was still food. I'm still going to eat it. And we did like a jam sandwich. Anyway, this got me thinking. With regards to our videos that we do now and everything I love, and with regards to our holidays when we were kids, I've been reading articles online, and these particular articles are how to get kids interested in walking and hiking. OK, let's start with this one. It says, why not visit a national trust or heritage site? Okay, well, back then we couldn't afford the National Trust. But even if we could, if my dad had said, oh, let's go to a National Trust site, as a child I'd be like, oh yeah, let's find something even more boring. Next idea. Why not create a scavenger hunt? Well, if my dad had created a scavenger hunt, let's say across the 10 miles that he was going to make us trek, my dad wouldn't have left us on our own on the campsite. He'd have said, come on, we're going to create a scavenger hunt. He'd have made us walk the 10 miles to hide the stuff so that we could go back to the camp and then say, right, let's go and find the stuff and walk another 10 miles to go and find it. That being said, if you were to do that now and I didn't have to walk very far and the prizes were cake, I'm in. Next idea. Turn your walk into a story where each child has a chance to tell their part of the story. OK, so I'm walking up a mountain, 20,000 times the size of me, and you want me to tell a story. This is how it's going to sound. And then the third little bear <sighs> sat on the... <sighs> and then... <sighs> yeah, I can't walk, let alone breathe and talk. I like the next idea. Try bribing your child. Well, I know I must have sounded like a little brat back then, but there is nothing, nothing that you can bribe me with to make me want to walk 10 miles. Listen to this idea. There are challenges like 52 hikes challenge. You could get your children to do all 52 hikes and promise them a reward at the end, like a pair of hiking shoes or a new backpack. Now, to be fair... Most of the shoes I wore were like black pimp soles. I think that's what they're called. You used to wear them for PE at school. Quite often they'd have a hole in and I would have a carrier bag inside my sock to keep my feet dry. So if you offered me a pair of shoes at the end of 52 hikes, I might actually say, no, I'll walk barefoot, let me go home. Another idea that I've been reading upon is make it into a magical trail. Search for Bigfoot, fairies, gnomes and dinosaurs. OK, one thing I've never been, even when I was four years old, is stupid. Here's another idea. If you have a child who's reluctant to walk, why not bring one of their friends along? 
Well, how flipping cruel is that? Not only do you want to make your child walk 10 miles, you want me to drag one of my friends along and say, hey, we're going to have a nice time. We're probably going to find some fairies and dinosaurs, but I'm going to make you walk 10 miles. End of friendship. Now, if I'd have heard this one when I was six years old, this idea says, choose a child-friendly route that isn't too long. Wait a minute. There are child-friendly routes? <sighs> okay. This idea is interesting. Make an exception for technology when on a trail. So I guess what they're saying is when you have a break, let the kids go on their phone or their iPad and have a break. Of course, when I was a child, there wasn't any technology. The main technology we had in our house was a television that we had to put 50 peas in the back and every now and again it would get emptied and if we were lucky there was a little bit left over that we didn't have to give to the rent man. But at home we did have some toys. You know, we're not Oliver, we're not living in Charles Dickens land or anything. But if we'd have been allowed to take our toys, let's say, what did I have? I did have a lot of cars, I had a lot of dolls and I had one of these, I think it was called Girls World where I brushed her hair and dyed it and I probably cut it and made it all frizzy coloured it in with felt tip and then it stayed in the cupboard for the rest of my life but anyway if I was allowed to take all that with me who would have had to carry it because I'm telling you kids in them days if you want to take something you carry it yourself well I had enough trouble carrying me and my holy shoes thank you very much Ooh, here's an idea perform on a trail if you find an outdoor amphitheatre or stage like area let your child put on a performance OK, Daddy, I'm going to perform a play that says, let's turn around and go back. So I wasn't just a whingy kid. I did have fun. But honestly, my feet and legs ached for the rest of the day when we went on these hikes. Maybe it was a ploy. Maybe it was a ploy. So when I got back to the tent, all I did was lie still, not move and probably sleep for three hours. But like I say, that's the sad thing. I'd give anything to be able to do that now. And even though I've said all that, I have nothing but fond memories of our holidays with my dad and my family. Because it wasn't all hiking. It was letting kids be kids. I always made friends on the campsite. We often went to the seaside. And you know what kids are like on the beach? Give them some sand and some water and that's it. You can build an empire. You can play for hours. I mentioned Disneyland holidays earlier. Well, we had the equivalent of Disneyland holidays when we were kids because sometimes we went to Pontins. Now, if you don't know what Pontins is, it's a large holiday complex very similar to another one called Butlins where in those days you had what they call chalets. And these chalets were basically really tight compacted blocks of flats painted in wonderful colours on the outside and on the inside they would usually consist of a tiny little kitchenette little sitting area maybe a couple of bedrooms and everything was brown and orange just like our home we're talking the early 1970s where all the curtains basically matched our tent actually brown and orange flowers the bedding brown and orange the um but none of this mattered to us kids, absolutely none of it, because as soon as we got there, we were free. And to us, like I say, it really was Disneyland. There were theme parks, slides, toys, little pedal boats where you got in and just pedalled. Something that really makes me laugh now was back then there was something called the train, and I think it was free to go on. It used to ride all the way around the camp. 
you would sit in the back of the train on these little carriages joined on and it would go over these little bumps and they would go over quite fast and you would giggle and laugh. Well, somebody invented a winner there because all we were going over were flipping speed bumps. If I went over them now, my spine would shatter. But you know, to us kids, it was fantastic. And I think that on behalf of myself, my brother and my sister, we owe the other holiday makers a big apology. I only found out about this recently from my sister. On these holiday camps, there were push bikes and you may have seen them. They're like a double push bike joined together and there's, I think, four seats or maybe a bar of seats going across the back and it's a big square frame and you used to have to pay to get these and all you would do was give the man your money and you'd be able to ride them around the park. You'd probably get them for two or three hours before you had to return them. Well, I was talking to my sister recently and I said, I really enjoyed those. We had so much fun. And my sister said, but do you realise we never paid to go on them? Oh, no. Us as a scandalous family, apparently, we used to wait in hiding for some kids to have hired them and then perhaps gone and played on the play park or gone in for their dinner and seen one park outside. And we just used to get on them and ride off. I mean, what kind of kids were we? Well, actually, it doesn't matter. We had fun, but we did return them, apparently. So, yeah, if ever you were in Pontins in the early 1970s and one of those frame bikes happened to have gone missing for half an hour, I'm sorry. It was me. Looking back at holidays, I look back at nothing but fondness for the Pontins holidays, for the camping holidays, just being with my dad and my sister and just having fun and having a really nice time. But I do look back with regret. There's so many things I did then that I couldn't do now. Obviously, the walking I've already covered. Because of my back, I can't do that. I wouldn't be able to go down a helter-skelter slide anymore on the basis that my big butt wouldn't fit. I wouldn't be able to go on one of the pedal boats, not unless somebody the same size as me sat next to me to even it out, because otherwise it'll just flip over and I'll drown. That being said, there are a thousand things that I can do. And for that, I'm grateful. We can still make our videos. We can still have fun on the boat. I can just about get on the back of Terry's motorbike and we can go away in the camper. So for that, I am grateful. And I'm hoping that I can do that for many, many more years. And I don't want to look back with regrets and go, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm looking forward to what I can do. And with that in mind, I'm going to have to go because I'm about to go bungee jumping. So, oh, sorry, did I say bungee jumping? I mean, I'm going to go make a cup of tea. I know, living dangerously. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this chit-chat about my holidays and I hope it's brought back fond memories for you too. Please do take a look at us on YouTube also. We're called Together We Roam. If you look at the logo on this podcast, I use the same logo everywhere. We also have a Facebook page. So do check us out. And in the meantime, take care and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Lisa G signing out.